Hello, this is your host, Tim Alanius. In this episode, I am passing the mic off just for this episode to Stephen Legau. Stephen is on the partnerships team as the regional partner marketing manager at AmericanEagle.com. He is specifically focused on the association and nonprofit markets. Having worked with these organizations for the last five years, he is committed to helping associations and nonprofits focus on their missions and providing their members and constituents the best possible web experiences. Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your guest host, Stephen Legault, Partner Director at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the revolution around marrying design and technology to deliver the best outcomes for our digital projects. Joining me today are AmericanEagle.com's WordPress Technical Director, Sean Blakely, and Enterprise Web Strategist, Landon D. Pasquale. Pleasure to have you guys on. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. How's it going, Steve? I'm, I'm good. Uh, Sean's joining us from over in, uh, in Brighton from the UK. So first time in Chicago since you joined AE? It is the first time in Chicago. It's almost my first time in America. Almost. I, yeah, I was passing through once. So I spent 24 hours in a hotel in Dallas about <laughs> 15 years ago. So you can check it. off Texas and Illinois. We'll count it. Exactly that. Got a few to go, yeah. <laughs> uh, a pleasure to have you both on. I'm very excited to have this conversation. Well, where this was a little bit born, uh, Sean had a, a wonderful presentation over at WordCamp Europe talking about you know, marrying the expertise of designers and technologists, programmers, to deliver these outcomes for folks and, and want to expand on that and be able to disseminate that here through American Eagles podcast lessons for tomorrow. So, you know, gents, if you'd like a quick introduction, you know, allow folks to, to understand who you are and we can get going here. As Steve said, my name is Landon DePasquale. I'm a web strategist on our enterprise WordPress team. Part of my role is to help our clients understand what we need to build and how it's best going to serve their business needs. On my role, it's a little less focused on the technical side. Obviously, that's why Sean has the title technical director. My, my job is to help make sure folks are getting what they need and, and understanding where that business value is going to come in so that we marry what can the technology do to how can it support them and provide the value that they're looking for. Thank you, Landon. My name is Sean Blakely. I'm the technical director uh, of the WordPress team, and I've been working with WordPress for many, many years. Let's, I'm into, <laughs> comfortably into my second decade, let's put it that way. I've always had a passion about WordPress and the, the incredible things that we can do and achieve with WordPress. It's been an extraordinary journey as kind of WordPress has moved into uh, the enterprise space over recent years, probably the last sort of five or six years in particular, and to be on that journey to start exploring the boundaries of sort of modern technologies into headless space and composable space. It's been an extraordinary journey. And, and now, you know, sort of WordPress is just one of the tools in a, a vast array of technologies that we can bring in to sort of solve those challenges that we face. So yeah, it's, it's been an extraordinary journey and continues to be, you know, and I, I learn new things every day and it's, it's great fun to, to be part of. Yep. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you both. So I think the way that we're thinking about this sort of conversation within a digital project, whether that's a, a web application, a, a mobile app, a, anything that somebody can interact with, there's traditionally sort of where the magic is made is turning in the, the excellent work that a designer or a creative firm is able to deliver from their experience and how it makes you feel to the actual application you know, within the tool and, and turning to the end users being able to find what they need to and, and also sort of uh, elicit some of that emotional response. I know that, you know, sort of your, both of your backgrounds are, are primarily in WordPress here. And it sounds like, you know, within the WordPress space, this is happening a little bit more with block editors, but 
you know, as we sort of zoom out, you know, outside of, of just, you know, one particular technology, it's being able to thread that needle between both of those that I think is interesting and where the most innovation can occur. you have any thoughts on that? Yes. I mean, I remember many years ago when I kind of first started working with technology and I kind of wore all the hats as I think most people did. You know, you were a kind of marketer and you were a designer and you were a, an engineer or a developer. And obviously you'd be slightly better at one of those jobs than, than maybe the others. But it was, you know, that, that's how this industry started. That's how we grew, you know, as, as we often term those kind of bedroom warriors, that notion of, you know, you're kind of starting this little business. You're, but the kind of thread that runs through all of those roles is that you're solving problems. You're trying to understand the needs of your clients of what they're trying to achieve. And then you're trying to map out a pathway to solve those problems, to meet the challenges that they're presenting you with. And so you use that sort of myriad of tools that you have at your disposal. Now, of course, as that scales, it starts to segment. So you start to create kind of silos and you create expertise. You know, there's, there's a lot sure. of positivity in those separate experts because they can really focus down in their, their specific genre of, of expertise. So we have you know, incredible UX and design experts now that have taken this far beyond anyone that was trying to you know, run those multiple roles, wear those multiple hats. But then the challenge comes bringing them together. So trying to then bring these disparate individuals, these experts in their individual field, solving their specific problems, then trying to be the, the conductor, if you like, of this orchestra, trying to bring these pieces together. This is a, a big challenge within the sort of digital agencies mm -hmm. and continues to be a, a challenge as we you know, orchestrate these individuals, this expertise. And so this is the area that I'm constantly fascinated by as to how we can improve those communication lines you know as we talked about a moment ago that thread you know it's so easy when it's an individual who is delivering all those roles because you know over the course of a cup of tea and obviously being an Englishman I'm invariably drinking a cup of tea but I can be doing a bit of marketing I was doing a bit of design and doing a bit of engineering all, all in, a, in a single cup of tea but of course that's not how our industry is today you know right. if we move forward 20 years I mean it's a completely different now and so trying to find those efficiencies, trying to find the ways that we can collaborate, that we can work together with those experts and scale that beyond just a single individual with his cup of tea and scale it to you know, a big digital agency. I find that fascinating. And there's, there's huge opportunities there as we grow and explore those collaboration spaces together. I think this is an interesting area where the technology does actually impact, right? Because depending on what you choose, you may be more or less able to work in that collaborative way. Um, one of the things that you and I were talking about was the ability that WordPress has given folks to use the block editor to do this sort of collaboration that we couldn't do five years ago because we didn't have the right technological tools. That's very true. And that's been an, an extraordinary journey in those sort of five years. So anyone that was working with WordPress about five or six years ago, they would have been working into a single box, a bit like a sort of Word document, so you could bold and italic things, you could add, drop sure. in. We had what was called short codes, which were just kind of square bracketed little placeholders for code. So as engineers, we could then write some code behind those short codes, but it was all quite clumsy. And you would often go into that kind of interface and you wouldn't really know what was going to happen on the website. Right. Like There was a sort of a leap of faith. There was an entire abstraction as you would be changing the kind of values of drop downs. Headless before headless. <laughs> headless before headless. There we are. That's quite catchy. I might, <laughs> I might say that. But that leap of faith was always felt jarring. And sure. so 
you know, particularly when you have, you know, you're you're changing a value, let's say, in in the back end of your of your CMS. It doesn't have to be WordPress, but you're changing a value, and you're just kind of you're hoping that you know right. something is going to happen on the front end of the website. And of course, on occasion, it didn't, or it didn't happen in the way that you predicted or you had hoped. And so that never felt it was never satisfying in terms of the experience for content creators, for editors, you know, for content teams. And so that's, as you said, Landon, that's the kind of change that has happened within WordPress in the last five years is the block editor. And the block editor is uh, something called Gutenberg, as we call it internally within WordPress. And it's, it's the opportunity to have a WYSIWYG editor. What you see in the back end is what you will see on the front end. And so what we were talking about a moment ago, Steve, that kind of disconnect as yeah. we've, we've got that sort of leap of faith. You can now see, as you're creating your content, you see what your end users are going to see. You, know, you get the experience that your end users are going to get. And that's an extraordinary sort of leap, you know, sort of a, a, as we've gone on that trajectory. And, and as we've sort of mentioned, the world of opportunity that opens up as we start to think about UI components and start breaking down design systems, as we call it. Maybe we'll talk about design systems in a sec. But, you know, it kind of opens up this opportunity to explore rather than having engineers writing this abstracted code that sure. they're not thinking about the interface, you know, they're, they're just sort of solving problems with code. Well, now the interface is their domain. Now that the interface is something that they need to be thinking about and so and need to be collaborating with designers on because it affects their space, we would think about as the kind of back end of the CMS as much as the front end. So it's a fascinating time that we're being able to explore. Our worlds are kind of coming together because technology is beginning to pull us together and you know the design ux and design and, and developers engineers and uh it's an extraordinary opportunity to explore that space see where this takes us you know we don't know we don't know where this journey is well i mean it will never have an end i assume <laughs> but you know it's it's a fascinating journey to be on but as landon you mentioned you know this this is giving us opportunities that we simply didn't have five years ago it is and i think those crossings of, of domains as those two domains come together right as you see that marrying of development and design. We're seeing both new technologies coming out like the Gutenberg block editor. I might have said previously that Gutenberg is the best content editing system on the web. I still stand by that. But what we've seen on the other hand of that is it means that other tools that people are used to using for a long time are, are going away, right? The days of a designer working into Photoshop or spending hours in Sketch to get a pixel perfect ideal rendering of what we're going to have seem kind of dated now, don't they? They do. And I, I'll just come back to Gutenberg because I think it's worth putting a, a little color around that because Gutenberg is the block editor within WordPress. So it started as an initiative of, of the WordPress project, which is an open source project. So people like myself and Landon and anyone can contribute to the open source project. But it's got a, a driving sort of force, a direction. It's a guy called Matt Mullenweg, who's one of the co-founders of, of WordPress. And he helps kind of drive the focus of the project. And one of those focuses has been the Gutenberg project. So this has been the, this transition that we've been talking about to the block editor. But in recent times, it's being talked about as bigger than WordPress, as actually mm -hmm. this is a bigger initiative than just WordPress. And already Gutenberg has been taken out of WordPress and is now its own entity. It, it's beginning to be made available to native applications. So you, know, you might start finding yourself using Gutenberg, not knowing that you're using right. Gutenberg, but what you're using is the de facto block editor for the web. And there's some discussions at the moment about block protocols and what that means in plain language is you know, standardization of, of UI components. When I create a call to action 
box, let's say, on my website, there's a standard structure, you know, mm -hmm. that we tend to follow. We might have a background image, maybe we've got a nice gradient overlay and we've got a, our title and a, and a bit of text and then, and then the button, you know, the action that we want the user to take. And there's such a standard data structure behind those, those CTAs that we can start standardizing that. We can standardize that as a protocol across the web. And this is where it gets bigger than just WordPress. And this is an initiative that, you know, could be, could revolutionize the way that non-technologists work with technology. And so it's, it's a really exciting potential that this tool has. And, and I think the discussion at the moment is that it's likely to go into Tumblr. And that's, you know, yeah. I think many millions of websites that will then have Gutenberg. There's an initiative within Drupal to pull the block editor into Drupal as well. So it's, it's an extraordinary you know, journey that we, we're going on with this block editor rather that is outside of WordPress, sort of transcends right. just the CMS that is WordPress. One of the things that is interesting to me about this and just in the work that we do is sort of the tension between leading and cutting edge sort of awe-inspiring design and the end usability of that design for the person browsing the website. We internally sort of fight that battle sometimes, you know, design versus function. There's a line there in, in some instances where the really cool element on the site may not perform in a way that, that your end goal would be for that site. Folks aren't converting because of this. If we sort of remove the function around that and start thinking about some of that design as it relates to then applying it onto the site using a block editor, for example, when people hear WYSIWYG, in my head, it seems elementary. And, you know, with Gutenberg, it's not, right? You know, with, with these block editors, it isn't. So how do we, you know, as an agency and sort of, uh, you know, within this larger conversation, continue to push the envelope with design and then also make it easy for those content changes to be made on the fly rather than coming to, you know, your own agency with a Fed developer or, you know, sort of a front end person to say, hey, I'd like to move this, this and this sort of how does that push and pull? You know, where do we think that lands here in the next you know, three to five years? Wow, there is an awful lot to unpack there, Steve. Where, where do we start? So let's think about this in a kind of chronological order. So almost as, as our clients will experience it as, sure. uh, as we're sort of building out their projects. So you're quite right. As we, as we might look back, we'd think about the creation of a design and that's often the milestone and that design would be a flat two-dimensional interaction. So it would often be you know, something that they see on the screen. They can't interact with it. They can't sure. do anything with it. But what they can sign off is the kind of pixels, you know, the kind of layout, the, the display of that page. But exactly as you were just mentioning, like, well, that's only part of, you know, what makes interacting with a website. And what we're missing there is the experience, mm -hmm. is like how we're going to use that, is, is how that experience unfolds as we're moving down the page, as maybe we're trying to move our users to particular conversion points. But that's not communicated in a flat design. You right. know, that, as we start to think about personalization or we think about geolocation differences or multiple languages, well, then suddenly our flat designs are of no use to us because we're talking to many different people about many different things on our web platform. And, it, and just a single design doesn't capture anything like the, right. what we're trying to do across those different, different examples. A really small example of that that's really simple is there is no standard screen size. And so what you mm -hmm. see in a flat design is what it's going to look at one size, but we know that there's an almost infinite list of mobile sizes to tablet sizes to laptop sizes to desktop sizes. And how your site looks is going to be different 
based on the size of your screen. And that's a great example where a flat file, even if you go mobile and desktop, is never going to actually show you right. what the site's going to look like. It's very true. And unfortunately, sometimes we found ourselves designing to very specific device sizes mm -hmm. because that's what the CEO has in their office. <laughs> and so that's our sign off point is, you know, right. well, it has to look great on Chrome, you know, X because on, on this particular operating system. And that's what we've tried to move away from. You know, that's not sustainable in terms of the experience, the digital platforms that we're trying to create. But also, you know, it's not future proofed for the client. So right. if we think about those flat designs, that's one potential interpretation of where where that client's digital platform is going to go. Now, particularly in the past, during sort of project processes, you know, the project process of requirements as we understand what we're trying to achieve together, the goals that we share together, there'll be lots of assumptions you know, sort of baked into that process sure. as, you know, maybe we've got some stats and some conversion goals from the from the client, but you know, we're not quite sure how to hit those maybe, or we want to collect more data. But we also don't want that to hold up the project. And so yeah, we're implementing our designs based on some of those assumptions. And that's that's kind of you're locked into that moment and that sort of big, big one hit kind of, you know, pushing all of our effort, all of our energy into that single release, you know, the big bang release has often proved a risk that we, we don't need to take. You know, it's, it's <laughs> unnecessary to to take that risk that, you know, fingers crossed we're going to be successful. But let's, you know, it's as much in ladies luck's hands as it is in, you know, the expertise of the team much better to think about it in terms of an iterative approach where let's give you the toolkit. Let's talk about what you might need in six months or 12 months. Let's talk about building you those components that are flexible enough that you'll be able to respond to your market's needs sure. over the course of the next year. And so what that then gives us is moving away from this, as we spoke about a moment ago, this flat design all the assumptions that we've made about you know good user journeys all the assumptions we've made about not just your users today but your users tomorrow but when we move to this component driven approach where we're giving you the toolkit to communicate we're giving you the toolkit to create your narrative with your users but that narrative might change you know sure. you might want to change those journeys and in fact if you start to get data back into your digital platform so you start to get that sort of virtuous feedback loop as you're getting data back from your users and you might be uh, running a b tests or cro um, conversion rate optimization which is ways of sort of exploring and experimenting with variations on your site so you can i mean the classic example is you know you change the color of a button or you change the size of sure. a button and you see if you see an uplift in your conversions and what that often does is well it validates your assumptions but it it also often shows that your assumptions are misplaced. <laughs> uh, a classic one is making the price nice and big. Like if you're on an e-commerce platform, make the price nice and big so people can see it and they're going to make a decision whether they're going to make a purchase or not. Well, counterintuitively, that's not a good decision. And actually, what the data has shown us is that making the price small actually leads to much greater conversions. And so, you know, and there's all sorts of things that you can explore and understand through data but then responding to that data, if you've had a flat design implemented and you've had your designers and then your engineers, your programmers build that site and they've dutifully created everything to pixel perfect with all the challenges that Landon was talking about, different devices you sure. know, being, being different, well, you may not have actually 
achieved a successful implementation for, for the client. You know, those assumptions may have been misplaced. And so having that flexibility, you know, thinking about it in terms of empowerment of the client and the users, of the content creators, you know, that's a very powerful place and, and a powerful toolkit to put into the hands of our clients. And, and that really enables them to own their own success. Sure. And so rather than, you know, sort of us doing a big bang project, you know, a big investment and then doing a big release and hoping that, that you know, success is kind of baked into that implementation, we're putting that, the success into their own hands. They then become the masters of their own destiny. And that's a really powerful paradigm shift. And that simply wasn't possible four or five years ago. And it, it's an extraordinary change in increasing the success rates of our, of our clients and in, in sort of empowering the, the longevity of the sites that we're building. I think in some ways it's web development coming into its own and doing development in a way that makes sense for the web. So, I mean, what we've just described, this idea of doing big high fidelity designs or doing the one big release. I mean, it reminds me of it. It harkens back to like when I was a kid and I wanted to get a piece of software, what did I do? Well, I bought a CD or a DVD and it came with a physical user manual and that's what it was, right? It was never going to be anything other than what was on that CD or what was on that DVD. And the web is fundamentally different than that. A website has the ability to always be changing because it is networked to everybody. There's an interesting tension here, as we talked about earlier, wearing many, many hats, but certainly wearing that technical hat for a moment. As we are, you know, as a technologist, I want things to have a very certain structure. So, you know, data model, data structure, that's my friend, because then everything is predictable. And I want, you know, to make things systematic, they need to be predictable. I need to know what the structure is, and then I can create a system uh, that's very robust because the, the data is, is, is structured and, and predictable. That's great for me, as we call the DXP, the developer's experience. Not so great for the content creator. And that, Steve, as we were talking about like a little while ago, as we rewind that, that clock, that's where WordPress was. We'd prioritize the DXP, the developer's experience, the engineer, the programmer, but maybe less so the content creator. And their experience was kind of secondary and, and maybe, you know, wasn't so considered. And that's the shift that we've taken is that you know, a WYSIWYG editor, the Gutenberg Initiative, block editors, it's prioritizing the experience of the content creator, prioritizing the experience of the editors and empowering them in ways that we've never done before. And that shift, that change of focus means that, you know, we've got this fertile ground that we've barely even started to explore in terms of the freedom, the flexibility that this is going to provide clients, a true digital platform. We're just touching on it, right? We're just starting that process. And I think one of the cool pieces of the block editor and the future for design systems is that this is just the beginning. This is not the fully formed kind of end goal where we're like, okay, we figured it out and this is it and we're done. This is kicking off a completely new way of working that in five years is going to be fundamentally different than what we're doing now. There is. And one of the things that I talked about actually at WordCamp is this, because we're talking about, so as we're talking about that, not being soothsayers, so not, not predicting the future. What we're doing is providing you with the tools to fulfill the future that you need as an organization, as the kind of direction, the narrative that you want to engage with your end users. And so providing those tools, that opportunity, but not trying to predict what that's going to be. So, you know, giving the flexibility for the uh, editorial team to kind of create those components as they require. But beyond that, 
within WordPress, we now have something called block patterns. And block patterns are a kind of GUI interface. So what that means is like, you know, a very easy way of, you know, this is a no code. It's just a drop and drag kind of interface. You can start creating your own UI components. And so what would have taken, you know, days, weeks, even potentially of, a, of an engineer creating these UI components and working with the designer and, you know, all the different steps we would have needed to go through to create those new components. These can now be created by the editors, the content creators themselves, and the friction to create them is so low. It's so easy, much like if you've explored any of those you know, design software where you really are just dragging something across the screen, dropping it in, moving it around the box. That's now the interface that we have within WordPress. And as we touched on a moment ago, yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and, and we've barely started to explore. We're just we're beginning to realize the potential of the approach that has been introduced within WordPress. And as we talked about, it does go, it transcends WordPress. This is beyond just WordPress. But at the moment, WordPress is the beneficiary of this initiative, of the Gutenberg initiative. But yeah, particularly with block patterns, empowering the editorial, the content team to create their own UI components. That's an extraordinary place that we are heading to where you can start to self-serve, that you can start to you know, think about how you want to engage and interact with your end users and then implement it in a single afternoon. You know, there's right. no big like, well, we've got to call in our technical agency and we've got to get this signed off and this agreed. You're the master of your own destiny. And, and that's extraordinarily powerful. And it's again, you know, we know we're on this journey, but where it's going to take us and, and where how clients are going to utilize these opportunities because they are the opportunities. Right. It's fascinating and fascinating to see how it's going to unfold. I think you mentioned the idea that we don't know the future and we're not trying to predict the future. I think the beauty of this low friction collaborative method of doing things is that we don't need to know the future, right? We don't need to know where things are going to be in five years because we're producing this sort of collaborative process, low friction for content users the ease of developers and designers to work through their items together, that whatever it looks like five years from now, the process is opened up for us to change and adapt and morph with what we need as opposed to, okay, this is where the, the process is going to be five years from now. We're going to put this hard and fast in stone. And then if you miss it, well, you're kind of out of luck. Yes. I mean, I would definitely agree with that. And it's the outcomes are becoming clearer, I think, in terms of that flexibility, that freedom for, for the content teams, for those editors. And so what's fascinating is us internally kind of responding to that. And so exploring, as we talked about a moment ago, some of those collaboration spaces, you know, some of those experts as we're trying to bring those together and find the best way to sort of bridge those worlds and translate that expertise and that collaboration opportunity between those those individuals. And that's an extraordinary opportunity for us as a, sure. as a large digital agency to find those, those efficiencies and new ways of working, which best complement the new outcomes that we're building for our clients, true digital platforms in every sense that, you know, that have longevity that, you know, that will have many years because they don't have a, a single implementation of what we needed in this snapshot in a moment of time. What we're doing is building a platform that will grow and develop with their needs. And that has been the gold standard that an aim but has never been attainable until now. But 
it is interesting that we do need to change our internal you know, ways of working and, and continuing to explore how we can better collaborate together. And this definitely changes the role that developers have on a project. I mean, if we take kind of at face value what, what you're describing, Sean, one of the items is that you don't need a developer to get involved to build out these block patterns. And that's actually a really good thing, right? I think the knee-jerk reaction is to go, well, no, we have to have the developers involved. They need to be doing something. Like, what if they're not doing that, what are they doing? And I think the beauty of this is that by freeing up the content folks, the people who are going to own and manage and understand the content, the people who are closest to it, to manage that, it actually takes a burden off the developers and puts them in a position to do the work that they're best suited for. That's very true. Maybe it's worth sort of rewinding for a moment and just zooming out for a second and talking about that kind of bigger picture because you know, what the engineers are doing, so where their efforts go is, I often liken it to sort of Lego is the, the model that we often return to because it's everyone has, has played with one. Most people <laughs> have played with Lego at some point. And so what our engineers are doing are, are working really hard on creating those Lego blocks. So making them as efficient, you know, the accessibility and all those considerations that we have in the implementation of those components of those elements. But then we hand over that Lego and what the content teams can then do with that Lego is extraordinary, is, you know, truly original compositions. If you've sat with your children recently and, you know, played Lego and seen the extraordinary, my, I've got a, a young daughter and she can create extraordinary things with Lego, things I would never have dreamed of. And that's with the simple, you know, the same set of blocks as, as I would have. And, and that's, that analogy works for the implementation of this approach, you know, this UI driven component approach where we're empowering the editors, the content teams with that Lego, but they can create truly original compositions. I really liked the way in your presentation, you, you wrote about the difference between blocks and block patterns, blocks, you know, thinking about this musically, right? Blocks are notes and block patterns are those compositions, but we're delivering the ability to compose out of the hands of a developer, you know, into those folks where in the past it would have been, you could do this on Squarespace on a smaller level, but we're talking about enterprise now that the game has changed, right? Yes. And it's, it's a fascinating analogy because, you know, it's, it's not, we don't do your digital platform at you as a, as a, <laughs> as a client, you know, it's, it's a collaboration. It's, you know, we, we have shared goals and we work together. And so the expertise, you know, no one knows your end users as well as you do. You know, no one knows your business goals and your business needs better than you do. And so, you know, you are the Mozart of your business. You know, you are, we can provide you with the tools. We can provide you with our expertise and levels of consultancy. And we can tell you about best practice that's happening. And to stretch the analogy to breaking point, you know, other composers and how, what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that works, but you know, if you're still with me, but you are your business owner or your marketing director or whatever position you're, you're in, but you know, that's your domain of expertise, your business, you know, your direction of travel, your objectives, the narrative that you're going to play out to your end users. And that's the composition, exactly as you say. That's, that's Mozart. That's the, the piece of, of wonderful music that is your business and the way that you interact with your, with your customers. It's, it's incredibly fascinating. You know, as we start to think about wrapping up, I want to make sure that you guys get sort of a final and an overview, sort of walk me through you know, where do you think we are in three years? You know, knowing where we were five years ago, we've been harping on, we don't really know, but if you got a guess, you know, if you were a betting man, and what would that look like? So I'm not a betting man, <laughs> but I mean, it fascinates me. It's, you know, it's an extraordinary 
change of circumstance that we're seeing and lots of um, things that I've been thinking about probably in the last 10 years of you know, my work within digital projects are really coming to fruition that you know, these are, there are opportunities now um, that we simply didn't have before. If I was to maybe not try and predict where we're going to be in three years, but where I'd like us to be. Sure. Because I'm fascinated by the designers and programmers, engineers, developers. They, they're all interchangeable in terms of that role, but that technologist role and designers. I think that those two worlds have been somewhat artificially separated that you know it made lots of sense back in big software development and then you know big web platform development and then we created the kind of ux role uh, a decade or so ago to kind of fit the gap kind of you know between the gaps as we had to think about this in more than just a sort of flat design notion and it's never been satisfying that it feels like those separations have never really worked successfully or, or at times they've worked successfully but it's it's continues to be challenging that's the space where i would like to see you know the notion of kind of design engineers maybe engineers beginning to learn a little bit about the structure of code particularly around things like react understanding about components you know sometimes we have designers that come from a template driven design so that means they create the home page and then Maybe it's an events page and maybe it's an articles page, a blog page, but they're kind of thinking about it in terms of those templates. Well, as we've talked about today, that's not really where we're right. heading. Where we're heading is component-driven design, where we're thinking about the components, the kind of, you know, the elements that you can then create your composition, the notes with which you can create your piece of music. And so taking the designers on that journey means bringing them into the technology bringing them further into the technology and so i think that breaking down those barriers making the designers feel that you know it's not it's not all harry potter magic you know behind the scenes that actually these are these things shouldn't be intimidating that you should embrace this technology because this is the sphere in which you work and this is your domain and so it shouldn't feel challenging but in the same way i'd like to see engineers that start leaning in as feeling a bit more comfortable about design and with the team we sometimes talk about some of those base design principles you know things like white space things like the hierarchy of you know and all sorts of other design principles because i think it's it's really powerful to have this knowledge across the team that we're not just thinking about these you know sort of the this singular ownership of these different areas because when it comes to successful projects it's all about collaboration. You know, there's no single one person that will attain and achieve success for us. We need these individuals collaborating and working together and working successfully. So I love to blur the lines, blur those edges between those individuals. And that's where I find the, the hugely exciting collaborations that we can achieve. And so in three years' time, I would love to continue to have gone further sure. in terms of blurring those lines maybe design engineers maybe engineer designers i don't Incredible. know we'll create a new a new role <laughs> i'm also not a betting man but i think it's safe to say that we're going to continue to see those barriers drop over the next few years it's it's hard to imagine a circumstance where things get tougher for that um not easier and so i think we're going to see a lot of ease of publishing i think gutenberg's talked about the democratization of the web and the democratization of, of content production. I think the idea is going to be it's going to be easier for folks to get the word out, to produce what they want to with or without a developer. And that will free up developers to do 
tackle new interesting problems and projects that they wouldn't have otherwise. And exactly to what you said, Sean, I think we're going to see these mixing of roles where it's not a hard and fast separation between what a developer does, what a designer does, what a strategist does. I think all of those roles are going to start to overlap to the point that you might have people that are stronger in one discipline than another, but that they fundamentally are working together as a team towards a common goal as opposed to working in a particular role in a particular agency. That's that's what I think. It's fascinating. It's exciting. Sort of a greenfield when we start thinking about where this could go. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Wonderful conversation. Appreciate you both. Thank you all for listening to and tuning into the future uh, by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. And while you're at it, please give us a rating, share this podcast with your, your friends and family uh, to prepare them for the future. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Lessons for Tomorrow. If you're interested in other podcasts brought to you by uh, AmericanEagle.com Studios, check out the link in the description. I'm your guest host, Stephen Legault, and we'll catch you in the next lesson.